Man, what a beautiful looking group of people here today. I am so excited to be with you today. How many of you love Christmas? Yes, I'm excited about Christmas. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm just, I'm just planning to make some mistakes this year at Christmas. I'm going to eat a lot of dessert and ice cream. And I think we're having spaghetti and meatballs on Christmas Day. So come on, it's going to be good. Hey, can we just say thank you to the wonderful team here that put on this great performance today? Yeah. Good job, you guys. And uh, we have to also give a nice round of applause for the wonderful kids. That was so good, guys. Great job. Yes. I actually would be happy to give up my time and just have them come up and do it again. And I know everybody would be happy about that because it's amazing, but it takes about 15 minutes to, to get them all up here. So, so wonderful to be together today. How many of you love the song Silent Night? Yeah, we're going to, you never heard it. Okay, well, you're going to hear it today in a few minutes. Uh, you saw that one coming, I think, on, on Christmas. But Silent Night is a great song. Uh, I heard a story about a little boy and a little girl that were asked to sing the song Silent Night at their church on a Sunday. And it was a brother and sister, and they were brought up before the church, and, you know, they had some singing ability. They were asked to sing the song. Uh, and the boy concluded the song Silent Night with the words, Sleep in heavenly beans. And his sister was incensed and she said, no. And she elbowed him and she said, it's, it's not beans, it's peas. <laughs> Christmas is so wonderful. Christmas is incredible for so many reasons. The music, we're enjoying that today. The traditions, the food, of course, I have to mention that. You guys know I'm Sicilian, right? So I have to talk about food every week. It's just, it's part of the mix. Christmas is wonderful and we can't forget the presence at Christmas, which is a big part of it. It's been called the most wonderful time of the year. And I, I have to agree, it is, it's, it's a wonderful time. Christmas has this way of bringing us together. Amidst the hustle and bustle of life is this one day, this incredible day where we come together as family, we come together as friends. And as we're gonna learn about in just a few minutes, we actually even sometimes come together as enemies at Christmas. Christmas always has been and is something very special. And not just because of the holiday foods, the festive decorations, or the gifts under the tree. Christmas is about God's greatest gift, his one and only son. Jesus was given to us. We have this beautiful name that we talked about a few weeks ago. Emmanuel, God with us. Heaven's gift to earth. Jesus came to live among us, to suffer with us. And as we know ultimately to save us from our sins. But I don't want to get ahead of myself too much because it all started at Christmas. That first Christmas night, thousands of years ago, in a war-torn, tiny uh, corner of this tiny Middle Eastern nation, in a place that we know well, a place called Bethlehem, where a hurried and harried couple struggled to find shelter for the night. It's funny to me that Christmas is about giving and sharing because no one shared a room with them that night. Christmas is about uh, the food that we share and the food that we offer to one another and no food was offered to them. And there certainly weren't any gifts under the tree for them that night. Christmas, for me, at least con conjures these images of warm, fuzzy socks, hot cookies right from the oven and a cozy place by the fire. But the first Christmas wasn't cozy, not cozy at all. If you strip away the hallmark version of the nativity scene, you get something raw and a little rough around the edges, which is why it's funny that Christmas is known as this time or this moment 
of peace. To me, it's a paradox that Christmas is associated with peace because the first Christmas was not peaceful, at least not as I think of peace. In fact, it was downright cacophonous. Joseph and the very pregnant Mary shoved into a stable, forced to give birth to baby Jesus among the animals, then throw in the shepherds in their hillside encounter with an entire host of loudly singing angels proclaiming glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And then we know those same shepherds decided to rush immediately to the birth scene. And I'm sure an absolutely, that was an absolutely welcome intrusion for a first-time mother who'd just given birth to a baby in a stable. Let that sink in for a minute there. We think about Christmas, it's about peace. But in this situation, not so much. It brings to mind one of the most famous, if not the most famous carols, the one I talked about before, Silent Night, which perhaps, if we're being fair, should have been called Not So Silent Night. Silent Night is an international favorite and a true classic in every sense of the word. The words and melody are instantly familiar to us. I think we can all at least hum along. Maybe you're the one singing Sleep in Heavenly Beans, but at least you know the tune of Silent Night. But the lyrics of this carol, if we really think about them and digest them, they stand in stark contrast to the world we find ourselves in. Just take the opening line, for example. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. If we just take a a look around us, the world around us, I think it's fairly easy to say that all is not calm. All is not bright. It wasn't then and it isn't now. Ours is a world fraught with chaos, wars and rumors of war, sickness and disease. There's always something to fight about and argue about. And there's always somebody willing to take you up on that offer, isn't there? To argue and fight and division. It was much like the world of a young Catholic priest named Joseph Moore, who wrote a simple poem in 1816 at the close of the Napoleonic Wars. Joseph, this young man, was no stranger to hardship. He grew up in poverty to a mother with three children, all born out of wedlock. His father was largely absent, off fighting as a soldier in the prince's army. And to add a macabre touch, Joseph's godfather was actually the town executioner in the town of Salzburg, Austria. Uh, I want you to imagine uh, this. He's saying, hey, guess what? Your, uh, your godfather's coming over for dinner and, and the, the Paul that would bring over the, the night. Life only began to improve for Joseph when the cathedral's curate took him in as a foster child. He began to show an affinity for music and began to sing in the choirs of the church there. And eventually he made a decision to enter the priesthood. By the year 1816, decades of hellish war had ravaged Europe and times were especially tough in the town where Joseph was now serving as a priest. The machinations of warring empires had divided the principality of Salzburg between Austria and Bavaria which separated the village of Orbendorf from its town center of Laufen and destroyed its economy in the process. It was there amidst the wreckage of war in this economic depression that this young Catholic priest, Joseph, penned the words to what he wrote in German. It was called Stille Nacht, otherwise known as Silent Night. We don't know why he wrote it, and we don't know why two years later he decided to ask his friend Franz Gruber, not Hans Gruber from Die Hard. This is Franz Gruber to compose a tune to accompany the poem, but we're glad that he did. And it was in the year 1818 in this small village church somewhere in Austria that a captivated audience heard Silent Night for the very first time. Joseph sang and played the tune on his guitar while Franz and the church choir sang along. And even from that very first night, the song was a big hit. People loved it. 
Eventually, a traveling theater troupe came through town. They heard that song and they began to uh, take that song and sing it all around Europe. And the rest is, as they say, history. The song spread everywhere. It became an international, uh, an international uh, carol. But the song and the message of peace it contains continued to make an impact. If we fast forward to 1914, almost 100 years later, another war, war had engulfed not just the continent of Europe, but the entire world. This is World War I, and it was a dark time for humanity. It's estimated that between 17 to 40 million people died, making it one of the deadliest conflicts in history, surpassed only by the Second World War. But amid the bloody horrors of war, there was an inspiring glimpse of fraternity and kindness on Christmas in 1914. There was a, a lull in the hostilities, and on that Christmas Eve night, uh, the soldiers began to find some common ground. The story goes like this, that it was this very cold night, much like that night 100 years previously in Austria. And on this night there in World War I, in, in the trenches there on the battlefields of France, the tune of Silent Night began to echo across uh, this battlefield. It was sung simultaneously in French, English, and German by the troops in what would come to be known as the Christmas Truce of World War I. As the story goes, while British and German troops were there in the trenches facing each other, some soldiers on one side, we don't know which, began to sing Christmas carols, including Silent Night on Christmas Eve, and the other side began to join in with them. The next morning, German troops walked across the battlefield shouting Merry Christmas in German, or shouting Merry Christmas in English, and their British counterparts received them, and then both sides exchanged cigarettes and souvenirs, and they even got together to play a friendly football match, which we have a picture of today. And how many of you wish we still dressed really cool like that? <laughs> it's awesome. And had a, a ball that we could kick around that was made of like cow leather or something. Uh, this was another not so silent night in another not so peaceful moment in history. And yet Christmas won again. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Perhaps just a glimpse, but enough to give us hope. A flicker of brilliant light in the darkness. That's what Christmas is. In the words of another classic carol, one we sang just a few moments ago, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. The true meaning of Christmas reminds us there is always hope despite our present circumstances. We are faced with this paradox daily in our own lives as we wrestle with the present suffering of this world that we all experience. We wrestle with that, but we also have this hope in Christ. But as nice as the idea of Christmas is and how lovely the tune is of Silent Night, the fact remains that Christmas in Bethlehem circa 3 BC, Austria 1818, the trenches of France in 1914, and here today, it is not a silent night. It's a not so silent night. I think as we experience life, we realize that peace often eludes us. But I want to tell you today that peace is a promise. The Hebrew people have a word for peace. It's the word shalom. Shalom is much richer than our English word peace because shalom doesn't mean the absence of conflict or of difficulty or of even noise. It describes a total state of being, a state of holistic wellness, even in the midst of a world at war. The truth is that we live in a fallen world and peace is a fleeting experience for many. All of us experience grief and trouble Everyone's story has at least a dark chapter or maybe two. And because of that, there is a temptation to despair, to lose hope, 
But the promise of Christmas remains. The promise of peace, of shalom. Not that every trial or trouble will disappear, but that God is with us in the midst of them. He is Emmanuel, the Prince of Peace. Christmas tells us this, that the light has come and the darkness will not win. But Christmas isn't just a historical event. Christmas didn't just happen. Christmas isn't finished, it's actually happening. In the words of Winston Churchill and yet another not so silent night of world history, as he addressed the British people after the Battle of Alamein, uh, a people on the brink of despair, facing a conflict that they felt was unwinnable. He said these famous words, now this is not the end. It is not even the beginning of the end, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning. I believe those words hold meaning for us today. This is not the end. Christmas is just the beginning. It was the beginning of God's plan for peace. It was the beginning of hope. And it's the reminder that no matter how dark, how desperate or how chaotic our world or your world may be, There was a not-so-silent night thousands of years ago that changed everything. And you need to remember that like then and like today, peace is a promise. 700 years before that first not-so-silent Christmas night, when Christ was born, the prophet Isaiah foretold his coming. Isaiah 9, verse 6, he said, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Peace is a promise for you and for me. Not the absence of hardship, but the presence of God. God with us, a wonderful counselor, the Prince of Peace. As we celebrate Christmas in the midst of our own not-so-silent night in history, we can look back to the moments in our past where peace shone through. We can enjoy the peace provided to us right now through Jesus, and we can look forward to the final peace and the final hope of our heavenly home. Christmas is a wonderful, silent night. All is calm because the Prince of Peace is here. All is bright because the light of heaven has come. You know, this, this morning as we get ready to sing Silent Night, Jack, would you or want to toss me a candle there? Oh, let's try again. <laughs> Woo! All right. Would you pull this out and light it? Uh, We recommend if you brought your own candle, please don't use it. Use our approved um, safe ones. These these little candles are not doing a whole lot in and of themselves to really light up the darkness. If you decide to go caving or something, please uh, upgrade your light. But you know, in the darkest places, it doesn't take a whole lot of light to make a difference. We live in a, in a time where as I drive through our city streets and interact with people, I think there's a temptation to despair. And there's been moments like this in history where I mentioned a few of them, World War I, World War II, these different conflicts. You can go back every generation. There's a moment in history where people go, it'd be easier just to think everything's going down, the sky is falling. And there's two different types of optimism. The first type of optimism is based in humanism, which says we as people will figure it out, we'll come together, we'll get it all sorted and figure it out. The problem with that type of optimism is that it's based on the same people that created the mess in the first place. It's this idea that we got ourselves into this mess, we'll get ourselves out. And there's something kind of attractive about that type of humanistic optimism because it sort of makes us feel like, oh, we'll make it work, we'll do it. 
But I will tell you that, that's a false hope. The second type of optimism is the optimism that looks to what for many people might seem like a, a, fan, a fantasy or a fairy tale. This story about a baby born in a barn in Bethlehem a few thousand years ago. And we kind of have surrounded it with, again, that hallmark imagery and the Christmas cards and all of it. But the real story is kind of amazing. It's a God that said, I'm not going to come in and fix things in the way that people would expect. I'm going to fix them. I'm going to take on strength with weakness. I'm going to take on pride and power with humility. And that type of optimism is based on faith and trust and a light being lit in the darkness. And for men and women across history, as they've encountered the light of Jesus and began to put their faith and trust in him, what they found is that though that light seems pretty small and insignificant against the great darkness that we might experience and that temptation to despair, that that light has power and has endured through generation after generation. And this thing we call Christmas isn't just a time to just get together and eat good food and sing songs and have fun, though we get to do that and that's amazing. It's a time to remember that hope showed up 2,000 years ago. Light was lit in the darkness. And maybe for each of us, we hold a small insignificant part of that. But listen, as we all light those candles together, God is at work as he was 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 2,000 years ago. He's at work today. And he's at work in you. He's at work in your family. He's at work in your story. And he's at work in our story. And so as we sing today, that is what we are singing about. That is what we are talking about. That is what we are about. The hope that we have in Jesus. Can I tell you something? The world is difficult. There's a dark moment. Joe, uh, Pastor Joe did a wonderful job last week telling us that you know, life isn't always a Christmas story. But can I tell you what the Christmas story is about? It's about the hope that we have in Jesus. It's about the fact that even in the midst of the storm, we can say, you know what? Bring it on. I'm going to stand like Leo DiCaprio on the front of the Titanic because I have something in me that is greater than what is in the world. And whatever we walk through together, the light has come and we can never forget it. And the darkness will not prevail. So my friends, let's stand up together and we're going to sing with gusto. If you don't know how to sing with gusto, just act like you're Italian. We're going to sing the words of Silent Night. We'll dim the lights, light your candle, hold it high, and let's enjoy this moment as we celebrate the hope that's come in Christ.
Father, we give you thanks in this place. We thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you for your presence here today, Lord, the peace that you bring. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the gift of Christmas. Thank you that hope has come. This morning, if you just bow your head and close your eyes for a moment, I want to give anybody that's here an opportunity to make the best decision that you could ever make, which is to place your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Christmas is, as we said, the beginning of a story that culminates 33 years later at Easter. Jesus came as the spotless, sinless Lamb of God, and he was born in that manger in Bethlehem as a baby, but he grew up and he lived a perfect life, eventually giving his life for you and I and for every person that would call upon the name of the Lord, that would call upon him. He provided his life as a sacrifice for us that we could be cleansed from our sins and we could be made right and reconciled with God. And I, I just don't think there's any better time than to make that decision to give your life to Jesus than at Christmas. What a great Christmas present God wants to give you this year, eternal life, wants to give you hope, wants to give you a future where it stops being about where you've been and who you've been and it starts to be about who he's called you to be, what he made you to be all along. And we find that place in our relationship with Jesus. And so right now, if you're here and you say, Pastor Jake, man, I like, I like Christmas carols. I'm, I'm excited to eat some cookies after this, but you know what? I, I wanna follow Jesus. I wanna start that journey and put my faith and trust in Jesus. If that's you, would you just raise your hand so I can see? not to embarrass you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Pastor Jake, I want to make this moment. Thank you. Thank you. I want to make this moment a moment where I start that journey of following Jesus. Anybody else here today? Just raise your hand. Awesome. Thank you. And let's pray this prayer together. And we're going to give you a couple steps to take after this to, to begin to follow Jesus with your life. But let's all pray together. Everyone in the room, let's pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, Thank you for the greatest gift. Thank you for giving your life for me. For making a way to be reconciled with God. I put my faith and trust in you. And I thank you that you're bringing me into your family. I receive you today as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.